Amen. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Now, I'm not going to do that today. <clears throat> there, there were many lamps in the upper room and where, uh, where we were gathered together, verse 9, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was uh, overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead, verse 10. But Paul went, out, uh, went down and fell upon him, and, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while, even until daybreak, and then left. Verse 12, they, were, they took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. Father, I pray that today that we will grasp a hold of your word, that we will stay in the center of your revelation, that we will... Uh, be obedient and be willing to follow you wherever you guide and lead and take us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I know you're probably thinking, what in the world, Pastor Paul? What is this scripture about? I mean, here, Paul's probably on the end of his third journey, uh, his missionary journey. He's, uh, he's coming out of some chaotic moments in, in um, Ephesians. There's there's an Ephesus, there's a, uh, there's a riot going on, there's a stir-up. If you see that in verse 1, it says there was an uproar. And uh, so he, he was moving away from that area and going into a new area. And what's unique is that he was also who he traveled with. How many know that, that uh, everybody needs Jesus? And so when I see this, I, I see that he was traveling with some affluent people. He was traveling with uh, what one of them called the uh, aristoc aristocrat which would be a part of the aristocrat uh, group. And then he was also traveling with Secunda, which, uh, you know, it's funny because Secunda, if you look at that in Spanish, is Segunda, which means second. And in, slave, in the slave um, understanding, the first slave of the home was the prima, uh, the first, and the Secunda was the second slave. So in other words, he was traveling with the high class. He was traveling with some slaves. And, and even on this journey, uh, we'll see the word where it says we... Um, we sailed from Philippi. When I said we, it's, this is who's writing the book of Acts. Well, we understand that Luke is writing the book of Acts, so uh, Luke is including himself in this passage. He said, I'm traveling with, the, with these guys. We travel to Philippi. So here we have doctors, we have uh, aristocrats, we have slaves all traveling together uh, to a place, and at this moment we're arriving at Tross. And the word tros or tros literally means Trojan. Some would believe that this might be Troy. Uh, so here they are, coming to this place. And uh, what's unique, when the, the very first part of this, it says, and the first, on the first day of the week. Now, how many know that the first day of the week is Sunday? Right? So this is the first day of the week. And, and what's significant about that? Well, you know, uh, most Sabbatarians, those who, uh, those who follow Jewish uh, ritual or Jewish tradition, would worship on Saturday because they worship on the last day of the week. But here these Christians are gathering, showing us a principle that was set place in the New Testament after, uh, after Christ um, had died and was resurrected, that they worshiped on the first day of the week. 
knowing probably that even though they were worshiping on the first day of the week, it was a work day. And so they were probably working on that day, and they were more than likely meeting on Sunday night, worshiping together in that place. Wow. Awesome. So, brings us to the Scripture. How many understand that Paul knew his opportunity? Paul grasped a hold that, that every moment he had, he was on his third missionary journey. He was... He was uh, traveling, he was about going about sharing his love, his compassion for people. He was trying to encourage them about the things of God. So he knew that his time was limited. He knew that he only had a minute, but, but it said that he was meeting and, and, and he said that he intended to leave early in the morning. In other words, he was expecting to leave the next morning. And, and most of us, when we think about, well, I've got to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, so I've got to go to bed early so that I can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning so that I can get to where I want to go. Isn't that how we are, right? But Paul knew that he was leaving the next morning and was like, wait a minute, I've got to take the opportunity to pour into these folks everything that I can because I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss something. I don't want to not share something. I want to give them everything that I have. Amen? I mean, we've been given opportunity. God's called us. We... Paul understood and viewed what he did as a privilege. And matter of fact, not only did he view it as a privilege, but at times he said, this is my obligation. Aren't you glad that God saved you? And so therefore, by, by, the, by the way that we have been saved, God wants us to share that with others. We live by the word of our testimony, right? By the blood of the Lamb, and we don't shrink back, Right? So in other words, we are called to give our testimony. We're called to live uh, out that message that God has done for us, has transformed and changed our lives. And so he took that as an opportunity. I mean, Galatians chapter 5 and 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We've been called to serve one another. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege it's something that we've been given. Galatians chapter 6 and 10 says, So then, like we have I'm talking about living in a third world country where they don't have good running water where yet and they don't have you know good septic systems and they don't have uh, good electrical uh, wirings and air condition you know uh, I remember uh, going into the Philippines and, and places in Honduras and and you look up and you see all these wires running together and like how in the world do they keep that straight I mean somebody's gonna get electrocuted right and, 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 and to think that people survive and live in, in, in different types of environments. I mean, uh, going into the border cities in San Pedro Sula where the squatters literally uh, live on the riverbanks. And, and they live in that environment. And, and here's their hope. Their hope is not that, well, I'm squatting here because...
people in living in that environment is, is the is every like 50 years there's a flood that comes through and it destroys everything through the river. And their thought is, is if I can live here and tolerate this long enough that once the, once the flood comes through and wipes away everything I have, some other country will come again, come in, and they will, uh, they will find us as displaced people and they will build a house for us and I will finally have something. That's the mentality. That's the idea. We're blessed. We're fortunate. We have so many things to us. I mean, we lose our job. Guess what? We've got unemployment. Oh, wow. We've not prepared for retirement. Guess what? The government has decided to give us Social Security. We might eat bread and peanut butter, but guess what? We've got bread and peanut butter. Right? We have so many benefits, so many things, so many social plans that, that help us and help underprivileged and help people who are struggling. And, and not only that, we live in a nation who's a, who's a, a nation of benevolence. We see people who are hurting, and guess what we do? We help them. We reach out. We are super fortunate, super blessed. Almost overblessed, right? And, and, and yet, in the same understanding of being fortunate and blessed, we live so below the blessings that God gives us. Right? I mean, we, it's almost as if we're ungrateful, unthankful, because we, we complain about everything. We struggle. Like, why, do I, why is this? And why is that? Oh, my goodness. We only have this. We only have. We only have a pinto. But we got a car. <laughs> All the time. Complaining and griping about what we have. And yet, the fact is, we have more than most people in the whole world. Even in our poverty state, in the sense of what we think is poverty, we have more than most in the world have because we are fortunate, blessed, blessed. So we, we got to live like a fortunate person, right? We need to live like someone who's blessed. Paul took that opportunity. He understood, look, I only have a moment, and I don't want to waste this moment. I want to give everything I have to the moment. I'm going to pour myself in. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to risk the, 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 the missing out of giving them what they need. And I want to take something. How many times do we sit beside somebody at lunch every day and yet they do not yet know the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have been so fortunate and blessed that we kept it to ourselves? How many times do we see people over and over and over again at the gas station because we are creatures of habit and we go to the same gas station, we go to the same person that checks us out every single time and yet they do not know the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're so fortunate and we're so blessed that we keep it to ourselves. Yet Paul understood, this is my opportunity, this is my, this is my moment, I've got to give them everything I have and, and guess what, he talked a little long. He went over to 12 o'clock midnight and he shared his heart with them. He took the opportunity. I mean, it was hard to say goodbye. I mean, look, people that we don't know, we bump fists and see you later, dude. 
But people we know, like this past week, I was, uh, I was visiting my mother-in-law, and I actually like my mother-in-law. And it was so nice because, you know, we got to spend some time out at the farm and, and just sit around and talk, and it was such a blessing. But listen, there was, no, there was, there was, there was some wet eyes when we had to leave because we enjoyed each other's company. We enjoyed spending time. And what this tells me is Paul enjoyed his time with these people. He wasn't just like, well, I've, I've, I've got to give these people this word and walking out. It was letting me spend some time because I care so much about you. I care so much about your soul, about your life, about this message that I don't want, to, I don't want you to miss the point. I don't want you to miss out on what, what God has for you. Wouldn't our whole world change if everyone took that uh, understanding that everyone needs Jesus? And that we're called by God because we are bearers of the message of God. We are ambassadors of the King. And we have so much to offer, so much to give. And yet we, we limit God because we keep our mouths shut. And we, we're uh, like undercover agents for God because we don't share what God's done. Instead of being bold and brash about who we are in Christ because we're so proud of Jesus, we hide it. It's easier to wear a big orange shirt with a T on it than it is a big cross of Calvary on our shirts. We've got to take advantage, right? We've got to seize the moment. When I look at the scripture, I see where Paul had taken the opportunity. He was sharing. And then there was this guy named Eutychus there. Now, now, when I look at the word Eutychus, the word Eutychus means fortunate one. Isn't that crazy? Fortunate one. Lucky is another way. Lucky is that three-legged dog walking around, right? He's, he's fortunate. He's highly favored. I mean, think, just to be in the room of the Apostle Paul, the the, the the, the legend, the myth, the one who's been going around from city to city. This is his third trip. He's out sharing this message all over the place. And, and, and just to be in the room with this man who has been so vibrant, who's been so enthusiastic sharing the gospel of God. And here he comes. And so here Eutychus is fortunate to be in the room. Wow, what an opportunity. What a privilege to be in the room with the Apostle Paul. But, but you know how much, uh, after a while, his, he, he, he became unfortunate, right? Because he kind of uh, fell asleep and uh, fell from the third story and landed with a hard splat, huh? You know, when you're living as a fortunate one, you're, you're, you're not living in the shadow of someone else. When you're living as a fortunate one, when I look at the scripture, it says that there were many lamps in the room. And so when you're living as a fortunate one, you understand that you are not just living under the shadow of somebody else, but you are a lamp in the room. Come on, somebody. And I understand it's probably talking about physical lamps, but I'm thinking about spiritual lamps. Every single one of you are a lamp of God for the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, don't hide your light under a bushel. No, but let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? We are a city on a hill. 
real, right? We're, we're to be a light. And so too many times we as Christians are living under the shadow of somebody else because we think, well, they're more spiritual. Or they've got more. Or they've got this. And yet we don't realize that we are a part of the light. We're not in comparison of anybody else. The reality is, is that we need each other. Our light might shine dimly at, at times and seasons, but guess what? When we are shining together, holding up each other, encouraging one another, the light shines that much more. Brighter and brighter and brighter. People need to see us together because that is how they will know that we love Jesus is when we shine bright together. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. The fact is that so many people live unfortunate. They're, they're the antithesis of Eutychus. They're living unfortunately. When I think of unfortunately, I think of hapless, ill-fated, unlucky, unhappy, unfortunate. Other words that uh, closely align with unfortunate is inconvenient, inopportune, unseasonable, untimely, unpromising, catastrophic, and disastrous. Have you, Have you met somebody, somebody that everything that happens to them is catastrophic? You look on their Facebook page and every, every other thing or everything but one every once in a while is all about how bad life is. Because everything seems untimely. Everything inconveniences them. Everything seems to bother them. They're unlucky, if you will. They're unfortunate. Sadly is, is there's a whole lot of people living in that kind of lifestyle because they don't understand the blessings that we have. You know, I look at this facility and I think, man, God has blessed us with an awesome facility. Amen. There are things that, that, that I bite my fingernails over and get frustrated with. I'm thinking, why did they put that there? And this was some mighty skinny developers when they built these hallways. I mean, I mean, we, we can, can look and think, well, why did this? And we, we can complain about it. But guess what, guys? Man, we have a phenomenal facility. I mean, we're blessed. I mean, and the great thing is, this is going to be paid for in December. Wow. I mean, we are super blessed. And when we start looking at life through the blessings that God's given us and quit looking at everything as something negative, it might just change our perspective. Amen? Because if you continually are living unfortunate, you become discontent with everything. Right? Well, I'm just not satisfied. We become dissatisfied. If you're constantly living dissatisfied, you're constantly living in discontentment, guess what? You begin to disengage. Well, I just, you know, I don't know if I like this, or I don't know if I like that. And, well, the music wasn't all to my standards, or, or that preacher, he just, you know, he forgot to give me an outline today, and I don't like it. Right? And after a while of discontentment, if you keep on living in consistent discontentment and consistent dissatisfaction, you begin, you begin to be disengaged with everybody. And if you're disengaged, it's a drifting process. You begin to drift away. Right? You miss one Sunday because, well, they won't miss me. Right? And then after a while, well, I'll just miss another Sunday. And you begin to drift. Eutychus, 
And that chapter 20 and verse 9 says he fell asleep. But he did more than fall asleep, didn't he? He sank into or began to sink into a deep sleep. In other words, the imagery is that he really was trying to fight his sleep. Some of you are trying to fight your sleep right now. Y'all stayed up way too late. See, to me, it's not, it's not a, yes, Jesus. It's a, oh, God. <laughs> I had this one lady, had this one lady uh, her name's Carolyn. Carolyn, if you're watching, love you, from Honduras. And, and she, she sat about where Cecil's sitting right now. And, and she had, she, poor lady, she suffered sleep apnea. And in Honduras, she didn't have no breathing pack or anything else to help her sleep. And Lord, I come back there, and she's a little bit heavier. And, and she had her head just <laughs> resting, <laughs> resting on her body. And I come back there and I'm like, hallelujah! Hey, Lord. Every once in a while you hear I'm like, hey, glory to God. <laughs> she was, Eutychus was fighting sleep a little bit, but yet, he was drifting, drifting away, drifting to the side, if you will, right? Oh, man. Don't you love it? Eutychus had stopped sitting under Paul's teaching in the center of the room and then began to move to the side of the room. And eventually, after he drifted to the side of the room, the Bible tells us he was sitting in the windowsill. How many know that sometimes we... We move, when you start drifting, you move above authority. You move out from under the umbrella of God's authority, and you begin sitting in the windowsill. And let me tell you something, le uh, ledges are lethal. Right? I mean, the fact is, is there's a, we live in a society that has moved and drifted away from God, away from the church, and they are living in a society that has now dis. Uh, has disconnected itself with legitimate authority, and now they're against authority. They're against God. Galatians chapter 1, 6 and 7 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly uh, deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Too many people are drifting from God and living above authority. When I, I mean, the fact is that there's a message being presented to the world today uh, and even to the church that there's an easy gospel. There's an easy way. I look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, verse 2 and 3, and in that passage, let me go there, sorry, I didn't get the scripture you but this passage says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry. Listen to this. He let you be hungry. Don't sound like the gospel I hear. Oh, the Lord's going to just fill your vats full, right? Lord, just give a hundred he'll give you a thousand. Right? He humbled you and let you be hungry, and he fed you with manna, which you didn't even know what it was, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
And, and, and too many times we're living, we're living this prosperity mentality to think we're supposed to have everything and don't understand that we're on a journey. And the journey's tough. But the journey's not meant for us to be distracted and be pulled away with breadcrumbs from something else. The journey's to make us learn to trust in God that much more. And if anybody's telling you any difference that you can trust in the baker or you can trust in this or you can trust in this preacher, it is not the gospel of God. It's, it's only as we trust in the Lord. The fact is that so many have drifted away from God. They're, they're attacking authority. It's evident. I mean, you can see even today people are anti-cops. People are anti-government. And look, just because there are... I mean, Spider-Man's uncle said it best, right? You know what I'm talking about? With great power comes great responsibility, Right? And the fact is that so many people, so many, there, there, are, there are a few who have gotten into positions of authority, who have not walked out their responsibility, and because of a few, uh, there's an attack on the whole, right? It happens within churches, it happens within government, it happens within local governments, but that does not discount the fact that we, there is legitimate authority, and we need to be under the umbrella of God's authority. We need to walk under authority, because when we walk under the power and anointing of God, we walk under the authority of God. And when we discount the local authority, we discount the authorities around us, we also discount the authority of God. Amen. Amen. Eutychus drifted. But not only did he drift in his drifting, he also isolated himself. He began to have some crazy thoughts. How many know that when you are sitting up in the windowsill and that breeze begins to blow, you start having some daydreams, and in Eutychus' case, it was some night dreams. Right? I mean, you ever seen that kid at school sitting there drool down, and all of a sudden, bam, they hit their head on the thing? You know, it's the funniest thing ever is to see a dog dream. You know what I'm saying? I remember my little Emily was sitting on the edge of the couch one day, and she was dreaming. And that little dog was here jerking, and you hear this, boom, boom. Dog, dogs don't bark out loud when they dream. You know what I'm saying? Their mouths are closed. Boom, boom. I said, boy, she's after some kind of raccoon or squirrel or something. Boy, she was just getting it. Boom. By that time, she, she fell off the couch. <laughs> she fell off the couch. She jumped up like something got her. She took off running around the house like, what in the world? <laughs> you get isolated. You start dreaming crazy things. This world hates me. Nobody loves me. I'll just go eat worms. But not only that, we start enjoying the ventilation rather than the revelation. And we need to be careful who we let vent to us. I mean, the breeze might be nice, but if you're letting someone vent into you, you better be careful what's venting into you because you might start enjoying the ventilation rather than the revelation. Amen? And there's a whole lot of negative people in our world that if you consistently are listening to what everybody else is saying instead of listening to what thus saith God, you might just get on the wrong path. You might just flow into the wrong channel. You might just fall out of the window. And it won't be in the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. He lost focus. 
because he was sitting in the window seat. I mean, how many remember the old Windows computers? Right? All of y'all. Well, okay, okay. Operating system 3.1. You know what I'm saying? You get up about four or five windows, that baby's shutting down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not moving at all, dude. Some of you new kids on the block fuss about your fast-paced 10.0, you know, us people with DOS and everything else. Dial-up modems. Yeah. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Everybody like 20 and below don't even know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? They're like, what's he talking about, dude? I mean, they got... They, they get, get less than 20, 20 megabytes a second, and they're like, no, oh, this stuff's slow. What in the world? Crazy. Right? Frustrated, you know? But the thing is, is that, you know, in, a win in the old Windows computers, you know, you get too many windows up, and, 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 and it just is shut down, dude. And that's the way our life is. We're like the old Windows models, you know? We, we get too many windows, and we get too many focuses, and we get distracted, and... And our life just shuts down. We get stuck in the windows. And we lose focus of what God's plan is. We're, we're gazing out here and looking over there. We, and, and really the Bible says you can't serve two masters. Right? You either love one and hate the other or, 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 or what? Right? So we have to be careful of getting stuck in the window seat, getting stuck with all of the open windows. There has to be a one focus. Right? Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength, right? If we begin to love so many things in our life that we lose sight of the very one thing that is eternal value, then what have we gained? We have to be careful to not get distracted. We get tunnel vision. How many of you got teenagers? How many of your teenagers have played games? And you, you tell, tell them, them to do something. something. Go, Go put, put your, your cup, cup in the dishwasher. dishwasher. Go, Go clean your plate. Go, Go take, take a bath, bath you stink. stink. I'm not naming any names. <laughs> Tunnel vision. We get so caught up in stuff that we lose sight of the priority of God. Look, he fell down. He fell down because, because ledges are lethal. And he fell down from the third floor and he was picked up as dead. Somebody said, well, he wasn't really dead. Well, actually, you know, they had a doctor with him, right? Luke was there. The physician. And, and in another passage, in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 19, or Acts chapter 14, verse 19, uh, Luke actually described Paul as almost dead. So he could have said he's almost dead, but no, he didn't say that. Luke, this is Luke writing, and Luke says he's dead. Right? He fell, he's dead. I've checked the pulse, there's nothing there. I mean, NCIS can come and check, he's gone. Right? Somebody can play piano. Play something. 
after Paul ministered to him, he told them, he said, don't be troubled. How many know that he wouldn't have to say don't be troubled if he wasn't dead? He says his life was in him. He didn't say his life was still in him. He said his life was in him. In other words, after he ministered to him, his life came back to him. He fell from the third floor. What Paul did was, it was exemplary, really. I mean, how many understand that? There's a whole lot of people who have drifted. And we get frustrated with them. We get aggravated with people who drift. I just, I mean, can I share my heart, y'all? Y'all still love me? I get tired of chasing people who should understand the necessity of being part of the body of Christ. I get tired of chasing people who have been grounded, who have been raised in church, begging them to come to church. Can y'all see that? Y'all love me still? Y'all grasp that? I mean, you need Jesus, and we need you, and you need us. And so sometimes it gets frustrating because you're constantly begging church people to be in church. And you spend so much energy. This is a pastor, right? This is a pastor. This is what pastor's role is. You get so caught up in trying to keep church people in church that you miss out on reaching the lost. Because there's a whole lot of people out there who need Jesus. And I find myself constantly having to chase after church people. I missed you a couple weeks. Where you been? But Paul, you just had drifted. Not only he drifted, boy, that broker, that joker failed. He failed hard. Three stories down. And Paul was willing to be an example. He went for those who had fallen. I mean, the Lord's given us a ministry of reconciliation, right? There's a whole lot of people. If you look around this church, there's a whole lot of people over, over the journey who has fallen. They've fallen because of sickness. They've fallen because of, uh, of just being offended by life itself and other people. And they've fallen hard. Maybe they're literally dead in themselves because they just feel dried up. They don't feel like anybody loves them. They don't feel like anybody cares anymore. But Paul went out and he ministered to them. Just think how many of us, how many people we could reach and every single one of us would recognize someone who's missing today. Just think how the, the body of Christ would be transformed if every one of us realized that you are a bearer of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are called to be one who reconciles people. And we took that ministry and we went out to those who may have fallen, who may be struggling, who may be drifting, who may be sitting on the outside, who may have, have, have discounted authority who are agnostic in the fact that they don't even know if they believe in God anymore because life has not been fair to them. But every one of us went out and touched. How many know somebody like that? We all know someone who's struggling. And if every one of us took on that person as a ministry, 
as an opportunity to love on them, to encourage them. It could be that you are the factor that resuscitates them back into the body of Christ, who moves them from the windowsill to the center of revelation, to being a vibrant part of the kingdom of God. God's called us to that. That's what the ministry of Alcoa Marital Church of God is all about, reaching those who are struggling because we know that everybody needs Jesus. Look, I, I guarantee you, you said, you just going to sit back on the windowsill. No, sir. I'm good. Right? Kind of like the old alcoholic. Dude, I've been away from that for so long, I don't even want to get around it anymore. Right? Eutychus, let's go talk by the window. No, that's good. I'm good. Thanks, man. I'm happy. I'm happy. Guys, to be that person who reaches the fallen, or maybe just recognizing that we're the ones drifting ourselves, how do you, how do you change that? Well, first of all, you've got to get close to the one that can give life to us. I know this sounds cliche. I know it sounds religious. It sounds redundant. But you have to pray. Let me put it this way. You have to communicate with God. Because we, we, we take the term prayer and we, we automatically attach, well, you got to do this You've got to communicate with God. You've got to, you've got to be attached to the one, the life giver. And then you have to attach yourself to his body. You have to pray. You have to read God's word. I mean, somebody said, well, I haven't heard a word from God lately. Well, when's the last time you opened his book? Because it's a living word. Pray. Read God's word. You've got to stay in a healthy rhythm. What does that mean? You've got to rest. Finally, a pastor understands. <laughs> You've got to learn to rest. Not only rest your physical being, but to rest in God. You've got to learn to be transparent. How many know that when you get uh, isolated and you start keeping secrets about your struggle, that you, you're going to get alone? And there's nobody to help you when you don't share. It's like, you know, I was in the hospital the whole week. The pastor didn't come visit me. Well, when did you tell him you were there? Nobody knows your struggle unless you're willing to share. Nobody can hold your hand. Nobody can, can get up under you and, and, and carry you through if you don't tell somebody. And it's healthy to tell somebody when you're struggling. Right? you got to rest. you got to be life-giving. But ultimately, you have to stay humble. You have to stay humble. What does that mean, Pastor? It means you have to recognize that there's potential in people. Everybody has potential. If you're always looking for the negative in people, you will always find the negative. And you'll never find the good. The, the superintendent of schools for Lawrence County, who used to be in Bradley County. He's a Church of God pastor. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? A, a school superintendent 
who is a Church of God pastor, teaches at Lee University. He gave a phrase, and the phrase is this, find the good and praise it. That's the theme of the whole school system, find the good and praise it. Just imagine if we would begin and every day make that our focus, find the good and praise it. It might just change our whole perspective on how we view other people. And if we start seeing other people as good, then we also might find some good in us too. Right? Look, there's some uticuses in this room. You're fortunate, right? Be careful not to become unfortunate. Be careful not to lose sight of God's plan. Be careful to, to stay in the center of God's purpose for your life. To hear the revelation of God. To be a lamp in the room. A light for the glory of God. Father, today I know, God, there, there are all different types of people in this room. Every one of us carry a, a different set of, of burdens or trials. But Lord, I pray that today, God, we will recognize that, Lord, that we have been given opportunity in life. And Lord, that we are so fortunate as a blessed people. Whether we are the poorest in the room or the most wealthy in the room, God, we are super blessed by you. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you have called us for such a time as this to be a bearer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, don't let us get so ungrateful that we lose sight of who we are in you. And we lose sight of the message that you want to pour into us. God, let us be sensitive to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, just as the message was given to us in this service today, a word from God, your hand is not too short that it cannot save. Your ear is not too heavy that it cannot hear. And Lord, I pray that today that we will recognize if we're drifting, that we will call out to you. If we're struggling, that we'll reach out to a brother or sister in Christ to be lifted up. God, we will find our rest, our peace in the arms of a loving Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. Super.